Yes, queens, we are back. Welcome to another week with your host, me, of course, Latina. And you know what? It's so funny because this past week, someone on Instagram had referred to me as Queen Latina. And I was just like, hmm, very interesting, especially, you know, because we play on the word queen in this podcast. But truly, I really feel like all of my listeners, you all are kings and queens. I appreciate the name. I appreciate it. I I feel like it's a word of endearment. Not sure if I'm going to use it as my own just yet, but I was just like, wow. It really highlights how this platform is growing. Uh, This past week, we hit our 400th follower on Instagram. I'm so excited for that. And I'm just I'm just honored, you know. I really am just honored. Just a just a black girl with a little platform with a big voice and I'm glad that everyone's listening. I I thought it would be so dope to start this week's segment off with a song. And what we just listened to in the beginning was from Wale. Uh he just dropped an album this past week, this past Friday, and The song we listen to is entitled June 5th, but it segues into a second half of the song, which is called Queens and Gods. And I was just like, wow, I need to put this on the podcast because it is just so relevant to us and the message that we're trying to send out to the world. We are truly queens and gods, and they have to start acknowledging us as so. So shout outs to Wale. He's always been a part of the movement, always holding down the Black culture. So today is Sunday, June 21st, 2020. And what an eventful weekend we've had. Friday was Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth to all of my Black people, all people of color. I was just so elated to see the amount of love and support and the efforts of people truly acknowledging this holiday. And I hope that in the future, it becomes a national holiday. Yesterday was the first day of summer. Happy summer, happy uh, summer solstice, however you like to identify it. We made it through another season. That is a blessing. Let's be excited for that. And then of course, today, today is Father's Day. And truly, this entire episode is going to be about Father's Day. Firstly, I want to say happy Father's Day to dads of all kinds. Fathers, stepfathers, foster fathers, godfathers, single fathers, those uncles and big brothers who have really taken the time to care for their younger siblings, their nieces, their nephews, that older cousin that maybe stepped in when your dad wasn't around. We see you, we love you, we absolutely appreciate you. Today is your day, and we're gonna celebrate you the best way that we can. So let's get into today's topic. Hey queens, welcome to Crown Thoughts, the podcast. A safe space for women of all kinds and for women of all walks of life to come together and chat. Crown Thoughts, the podcast, is a movement of vibes 
which encourages its listeners to dig deep and reflect. So with that being said, let's get into today's topic. The idea of today's segment came to mind after reading a meme on Instagram, which read, to whom it may concern, Sunday, we are celebrating amazing Black fathers, telling you in advance so you can control yourself. And sadly, we all know why that meme was even created, because there's such a huge stigma surrounding the absent Black father. And this comes from women. This comes from men. It doesn't matter your race or your sexuality. There's always been this huge debate on there aren't any Black fathers around or the single mothers who will shout themselves out on Father's Day. And listen, don't come at me for what I'm saying. I absolutely acknowledge single mothers. I myself am a single Black mother. But I also do believe that this day was designed to uplift, acknowledge, and appreciate good men. Because there are still good Black fathers out there. There's still good fathers out there. And... I read the meme and I was just like, you know what? I have I had to talk about this on this week's episode. I knew I wanted to acknowledge fathers in some way, but I really want to start challenging those myths around truly the black family unit. We know all of the bad things that they say about black families, but I don't think a lot of people understand where that came from and where its roots are. Even though social media is not the best indicator of reality, it really does reflect the mind of society. And a lot of people hold social media and the content to be truth. Growing up, my father and I, we had a long distance relationship, which never fit the idea of the perfect family concept. I knew who my father was. He was around as best as he could be. But it really wasn't that daddy-daughter relationship that I had dreamed of. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to accept what we've had. And truly, my dad has become one of my best friends. Whenever I need to call and vent to him, he's there. He listens. He's always dropping knowledge on me. And it's amazing how connected we are, even though I don't see him every day. I also did not share the same father as my siblings, which further kind of feels into that absent father myth. And a lot of the times I became conflicted by the state of my timeline versus my experiences. So after seeing that meme, I decided to do some research on the absent black father. And what I found out is reality is far more complicated than the ugly stereotype, which is being suggested amongst our black family units. The Negro family, the case for national action, was completed in March 1965. It became one of the most controversial documents of the 20th century, and it was also notoriously known as the Mohian Report. And basically, this report sparked many, many, many conversations around the absent father within Black homes. 
it's it's crazy that a lot of the ideas about black people, about black culture, oftentimes that information is being pushed out by our government. So you have this document which was completed and the purpose of it was to kind of understand why the black culture is falling in many different labels and categories, including unemployment rates, poverty, and uh, deficiency in education, right? So this is what the report or the studies had shown. About a quarter of the Negro families are headed by women. And please understand that I'm reading this word from word. So I'm not using the word Negro to identify us today. This is how we were identified in the 1960s. About a quarter of Negro families are headed by women. The divorce rate is about two and a half times what it is compared to the whites. The number of fatherless children keeps growing. And all these things keep getting worse, not better, over recent years. Isn't that crazy that this report came out in the 1960s and yet it still still holds some relevance to 2020? And I say some because we know that numbers lie in many ways. Or no, I won't say numbers lie, but we are... Our culture is lied upon in researches and and, and statistics. So basically, Mohinen, who was the Secretary of State, he basically argued that the rise in Black single mother families was caused not by a lack of jobs, but by this destructive ghetto culture. And these, again, are his words. Destructive ghetto culture, which could be traced to slavery times and continued in discrimination under Jim Crow. The thinking in his report is that the high rate of poverty and low educational achievement in Black communities can be traced to also a high number of Black babies born out of wedlock who are raised in single mother homes. And when I read that, I was just like, wow. This is how our government, our constitution, our legislators, how they view our family. And I want to challenge this myth because I believe what he failed to realize is that unwed does not always mean single parent. Secondly, it puts an even greater assumption that single-parent homes means there's an absent father altogether. But that's not true. Just because that father does not live in the home doesn't mean that he's absent altogether. And so this is why I want to challenge everyone. When you read things, look, look at it a little bit deeper than what it's saying. So as a way to challenge these myths, I decided I'm going to do some research. (laughs) So I go to the CDC website. By the way, this is also another reason why it's important to fill out the census forms when they come in the mail. 59.5% of Black fathers live with their children. 59.5%. 
if you want to look at it in like bigger numbers, 2.5 million out of 4.2 million black families, these fathers live with their children, but they're just not legally married. So when I do read these reports, it angers me knowing how the black culture has always been a science experiment or a research project. Rather than admitting that the black culture faced poverty and lower educational rates because the system was created that way to keep us in this box, it has always been the government who uses these messages to portray our family systems as broken. This is not to say there are no absent fathers because there are. However, what about the fathers who do go hard for their children, who do go hard for their siblings, their nieces, their nephews, their stepchildren? It's about time that we start acknowledging them and giving them their credit. An absent father can occur in any culture, not just the Black culture. And to take this like even a step further, I wanted to examine the mental health of our Black fathers. Expecting fathers and men who are parenting are often faced with many challenges just as much as the mother. Society has put such a strain on men, on their shoulders. Just They're expected to be strong. Our men are expected to never show emotion, to always be the breadwinner, to always leave their family. And somewhere in all these expectations and assumptions, we forget that they need love, support, and reassurance to be given a safe space, just as us queens. Queens. The mental health of our Black fathers, of our Black men, it matters. It matters just as much as our mental health. So when I see memes, that has to tell the culture, act right on Sunday because it's Father's Day and they matter too. We shouldn't have to do that. One, we don't know who who saw that meme and they're probably laughing at us because we're adding more fuel to this idea that there are no good black men, there's no good black fathers. We have to stop, we need to change the narrative, we need to to speak better amongst ourselves before we can expect change for our culture and for others to respect us as a culture. What are we doing within our own culture to, to earn that respect? Yes, we are human beings, we are powerful, we matter, but we also have to start exuding that excellence. And so if you just think about the societal challenges on our men, there's also media reports and cultural norms which depict that our young fathers are risky, absent, and irresponsible. Our young fathers are experiencing stigma and negative stereotyping by professional services, and we know who we're referring to. This is DCF. These are the, the human agencies who are there to support the family unit. Oftentimes, they will shut those young fathers out, not even giving them the chance, not even giving them the tools to be a good man, to be the leader of their family. I read in some interviews that these young fathers, they describe professionals as unhelpful or just automatically assuming, or just being ignored, overlooked. 
And this can be also just by our midwives and our health visitors. How often do the doctors ask the Black fathers during the prenatal stage, what can I do for you? What do you need? How are you feeling? There's so much emphasis on just the woman and carrying the baby. And oftentimes the men just feel like they don't matter. Or, or we've even heard the statement, men don't become fathers until the, ch- the child is born. But really, why do they feel this way? Is it because they haven't made the connection to the child? Or is it because we're not making them feel inclusive to the pregnancy? After reading all these researches and reports and documents, I really wanted to understand, so how do we start restoring the traditional Black family? And is there even... Is there even a, an idea of what the traditional Black family would look like? And this is going against what society says we should look like, but just truly a, a traditional Black family that represents our culture. What would society be like if the family found it difficult to perform its most basic functions? Basic functions are supplying food, shelter, clothes, love and support. We know that half of all marriages in this country ends in divorce and half of all of our children will spend a significant period of time with only one parent. Understand the disruption of our black families today is so overly exaggerated. It's just a reflection of what has happened to our black slave families during slavery times. The main force behind splitting up families was the slave owners. It's not because we were in poverty. It's not because our men are in jail. It's not because our children are being raised in single family homes. It was the slave owners. And then they would justify splitting up our plantation couples by saying Slaves felt little pain at losing a mate and cared nothing about lasting relationships. Again, it was the slave owners who justified splitting up our families by saying we felt little pain and we cared nothing about lasting relationships. It's these assumptions from 400 years ago who are now the same assumptions in 2020. We don't care about having a marriage. We don't care about making it last. It doesn't hurt us when people hurt us. I wanna make it clear, this is not a black issue. This is a systemic issue. It's a domino ripple effect that has been deeply rooted in racism since the moment we stepped on this soil. From the moment we stepped on this soil, our families were ripped apart. You're going to tell me that all these huge slave ships came and they made sure women and children and husbands, you guys stay together with your family. No, absolutely not. They took a couple slaves here, put them on this boat. They took a couple slaves there, put them on that boat. And then when we finally made it to America, because I know it was a long journey and not everyone survived, people tried to heal. People tried to keep those family values going. And the minute the slave owners sensed that we were happy in any way, 
I'm selling your daughter to my homeboy down the street. Or I'm raping your wife in front of you so that you don't ever know what happiness feels like. Again, I want to make this clear that the absent father myth is not a black issue. It's a systemic issue. There's a doubling number of white children living with one parent, which has went from 9% to 17% since 1970s. So we really have to stop assuming that Black fathers are failing our families. This is not, this was never our issue. It was never our issue. So again, how do we restore and begin to heal the Black family unit? In my opinion, I think it starts with love. And as cliche as that sounds, we have to start loving on one another. We have to start speaking better to our brothers and sisters, acknowledging them for who they are, which is why I decided to do this episode today. Because yes, there are great single mothers. There are great foster families. There are great godparents who have stepped in, but there are also great black men who are doing the damn thing, who are taking care of their families, who are leading those corporations, who are owning those businesses. They're out there. And since I cannot truly speak on the experiences of fatherhood, I decided to ask a few fathers to share their thoughts and experiences surrounding being a Black father. And here are some of their responses. Chris, 37, from Atlanta. Fatherhood means leadership. Fatherhood means guiding your bloodline to their fullest potential. Fatherhood means understanding your own flaws and loving your children enough not to bestow it on them. Fatherhood is many times overlooked and underappreciated and misunderstood, but much needed for our princes and our princesses. Fatherhood means to me royalty, Because we all know any boy can make a baby, but it takes a man to be a father. Curtis from Baltimore, age 32, father of three. Being a father to me is about being a constant, steady, and calming force to my kids. I always want them to know they can count on me to be there for them no matter what element of life they are dealing with. I'll do my best to teach them right from wrong, and to prepare them for everything the world will throw at them. I try to let them see my imperfections, but show them to overcome their own imperfections and failures. I always want to be a dad in their life. Every dude can father children, but not every father is a dad. Sean, age 37, from Connecticut, father of three. It means the world to me, I want to break the standard. I want my kids to be set up for life, get out of college debt-free. I want them to have the life I could never imagine. Set them up with education, liquid cash and assets, stocks, real estate. Have them start operating their own businesses. I want to teach my kids to be entrepreneurs, employers, not employees, doing whatever it takes to provide the world for them. It means sacrificing every breath to help them succeed. Patrick, age 35 from Connecticut, 
a father of one? Fatherhood to me is about sacrifice. You learn how to balance your life with someone who can't even talk when you meet them. Fatherhood is love, the unconditional love that will never leave you. Fatherhood is lessons. Teaching while learning and finding the best practice to guide your child to greatness. Fatherhood has changed my life. I was raised fatherless and I never wanted my child to ever feel insignificant like I did when I was growing up. It has taught me how to make better decisions as I know everything I do can affect my ability to be a father. Just to see the look on my child's face when she says, you're the greatest dad ever, makes me smile. Any man can be a dad, but only a father raises his child and instills practices and beliefs that a child never forgets. I'm thankful for fatherhood. My greatest title has ever been Pops, as my daughter calls me. What a blessing. Now, so to answer your question, right, what it means to me um, um, uh, uh, to be a father of the Spencer first who happened to be black, it means the world to me. Mm. Is that good enough? That's awesome, Grandpa. Thank you. And I just want to thank each and every father who was able to be so transparent and answer that question for me. It's important to hear from the fathers themselves and just have a little bit more insight into what it means to them to be this, this man, this leader. And I made sure that I read each and every statement that was given because their words matter, their lives matter. Today is their day. They are truly kings. Men who are listening, you are kings. And we understand that right now is a very tough time. Our society is starting to show us once again how they truly feel about us. But know that there are queens out there who are rooting for you every day, who are clapping for you every day, who are out there supporting you every day. Please, Acknowledge us back, love us back, take care of us, speak highly of us, hold us down. That is how our culture, that is how our family unit is going to rise above all the bullshit. It starts with us. It starts with us. It's always going to be about us. It's always going to end with us. I've said it in previous episodes and I'm going to say it again now. The black culture, we never needed anything from anyone. We were already kings and queens. We were stolen from our land. We were stolen from our riches. We were stolen. We had our abundance of life taken away. But that doesn't mean that we cannot get that back. I wanted to end today's segment with just one more reading of a statement that was given to me by a Black father. And I really think this sums up what Black fatherhood is and how we will begin to restore and heal our Black family unit. Black fatherhood means that you are a vessel to assure the strength, resilience, and knowledge of our ancestors 
continues through our offspring. That is how we're going to heal. Happy Father's Day again to all of the kings. We see you. We love you. We appreciate you. To my queens who are listening and supporting this platform, thank you. I cannot wait to chat with you again next week. And as always, queens recognize queens. And this is Crown Thoughts, the podcast.